swords with handle art to spar trolls and charge tolls to cross roads with bandits are catacombs and giant doors protect the chest of stores from legendary items with the dragon bones and iron it's horse. a grand theft of elk scrolls simon's quest with toe and earl rock shoes to ever clue easter eggs and gaming news the potus needs some bad dudes to crash crew like bandicoot all shit a game in english control issues Control issues. Yes, yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Yes, yes y'all. y'all. Well, this is Control Issues. I am the AM. Sorry. And this is a dub. You can find us at control issues.com. You can also go to your podcast provider, whoever that may be. Look for Control Issues, download it, subscribe to it, rate it, review it. Five stars. Let us know you're out there. At my control issues is the handle. If you pop on over to Twitter and if you just happen to go to twitch.tv slash control issues pod, we got, got gameplay videos up there for your viewing pleasure. AMC, how you living? Living well, a dub. Um, you know, this is a big week. We uh, we decided that it was time to potty train Theo. <laughs> what? Yeah, I wasn't ready for this. So yeah, he's uh he's good. He's uh so we're, we're four days in. Um, he completely pissed all over the floor like day one was just an absolute disaster it that was, was my first question yeah we we completely like just put, put all the rugs away put put towels all over the couches uh and just left him without any pants any diapers for the first day just to you gotta basically he has to be aware of one what happens if he pees without having the diaper on uh-huh. and then two from the parents perspective you're trying to get an understanding of the baby's cues um, to know like when he's about to pee. So then you can kind of get an idea of like when he's starting to, you know, show signs that he's going to let one go. And then you try to rush him to the toilet. Try to scoop him up and get him in front of that bowl. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So day one, it was just him pissing everywhere. Day two, by the end of the day, he finally like pissed in the toilet. He actually like used the potty. Then now we're day four he's actually given us signals when he has to go to the bathroom and um we kind of just have a routine of we know about like 40 minutes he needs to be uh we need to be checking on him because he might just let one go and he seems to only pee when he's eating (laughs) so that's that's the only part where he's gotten us now he doesn't pee when he's just walking around when he's reading a book when he's playing with toys none of that it's when he sits down to eat like within five minutes he'll just start peeing so yes yeah so now it's basically if he doesn't pee before he eats it's like every five minutes we're getting him up and taking him to the bathroom to see if he if he just has like a little stored up in there (laughs) so i imagine you guys are wearing socks oh i no i stopped wearing socks the first day i wore socks and then my socks are just damp (laughs) so i was like you know what it's not even worth it at this point i'm going through socks and now i just go bare feet and you know so you're not you're not afraid of completely busting your ass on a puddle of pee uh nah because we're basically he's never alone now like somebody always has their eyes on him so we don't miss him peeing ever it's more of a you know the socks get wet from having to wipe up constantly and you know the the residual 
cleaner on the ground will get on the socks. Yeah. <laughs> and so you just usually so, have you just have damp socks. So my man Theo dude is just Donald Duckin all day. Yeah, yeah. No, now he uh, <laughs> he's we're comfortable enough to put him in pants again. The first two days though, he was he would go outside. Yeah, you know, just <laughs> 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 as you said, Donald ducking. But now we're we're comfortable with him just wearing pants and him not peeing in his pants. Ah, getting so big, man. Yeah. So that's uh, that's that was my week. How, how's your week been? Uh, my week has been pretty eventful. You know, uh, I've had the Series X for probably two or three weeks now, and I lucked out and got my PS5. So, <laughs> next uh, next gen is complete. <laughs> let's just get right into it, A-Dub. So what have you been playing? Well, uh, a lot of the stuff that I've been playing. Uh, yeah, so I, I got the PS5. That was a momentous occasion. I, I sidestepped work a little bit because it just showed up like in the in the middle of the day. And I was like, well, I'm taking about 30 minutes of setting this up because I'm not going to spend my after work time doing that. So, you know, checking all my emails and shit, but pulling out the razor blade, gently cutting all the protective seals, pulling out that PS5. It's massive. Uh, got it set up. You know, it's my my TV stand. That's just a temporary solution for now. I'm going to get a new TV stand. I'm going to get a new television because I, I want to get all this next-gen glory in that 4K, 120 hertz. Uh, I'm going to shoot for OLED, might get LED. But hooked up the PlayStation. Setup was pretty simple and painless. It walks you through all the steps. Uh, the most time-consuming aspect was selecting PS4 games that I wanted to move from my external storage USB to the console storage to one, take advantage of the performance gains that the console yields from the internal SSD, as well as to, you know, get those PS5 patches that the game comes with. Uh, I, I moved over the Division 2, No Man's Sky, Diablo 3, um, Borderlands 3, and Cyberpunk, just to get the patch on it, or, or at least I tried to, and it didn't let me. So I deleted Cyberpunk, downloaded 100 gigs of Cyberpunk, downloaded 100 gigs of the patch, and then got that patch. Now that's back on the external. Uh, popped on Diablo 3. That was the first thing I wanted to do just to get a feel for that, that DualSense controller and to see if the Diablo 3 experience would be enhanced in any way. And I will say that while, you know, it's Diablo, it still plays, it seems to load a little bit faster, but I couldn't really focus on the benefits because one of the drawbacks really took me out of the experience. And with the upgraded audio, like the Tempest audio, the 3D audio that's in the PlayStation 5, I'm guessing that since Diablo 3 wasn't designed to take advantage of any of that, um, the, the system is kind of screwing up the, the atmosphere and the overall sound of the game. And surprisingly, that's taking away from the experience for me. Like, it just doesn't feel like Diablo 3 anymore without that cacophony of sound that just brings you into the world of nutrition. And yeah, it, it was a little, it was a little sad. Like, I think I'm not going to play Diablo 3 on the PS5 anymore unless they eventually come out with a patch and fix that. 
but while going through that whole experiment and tweaking with the audio, you know, I'm starting to fiddle around with the settings on the console itself. And it seems that you have the ability to turn on 3D audio and turn it off. So if you just want to hear games in standard stereo, you can do that, but you can enable 3D audio and it just, it makes, it makes everything feel like it's around you. And, you know, I got my standard little Audio Technica M50X headphones and yeah, they're still doing an excellent job of giving me quality sound, but now the PlayStation is doing an excellent job of giving me even a more dynamic range of sound and more just that 3D audio is gonna be something when people really start getting a hold of it because then I switched over to games that were PS5 patch, you know, put on the Division 2. It's it's just so much smoother. It looks a lot better. It, it feels like a brand new game. That's the general theme of games that get the PS5 patch. You will immediately notice the difference. They they move at a higher, more consistent frame rate. Uh, visually, they're just much more crisp, and the colors and the textures just pop a little bit more. And then whatever additional improvements that the developers put in on top of that, you you feel it see it it's a major difference no man's sky i feel like i'm playing it on a pc now it's like the worlds are just fuller and more lush everything looks far more just far more believable the draw distance is greater there were some gameplay changes that were made over the last couple of patches so i wasn't able to advance the mission that i was on but while i was playing i was completely blown away by the performance of it Primarily, again, the frame rate. It's just smoother. There's no dips. It, it's, oh man, it's, I can't wait for you to get a PS5 so that we can have these shared experiences with what we're messing around with. It's, I feel like my games have been rejuvenated. It, it, it's as if you found the, the classic car in the garage with the books and the clothes all over it, and then you, you take it to the shop, you get it back. It's all restored. It's cherry again. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, cause I know like the, the previous weeks you've talked about the Xbox and the thing with that is you're jumping from what 360 to now a series X. So that's just like, you're skipping over an entire generation. Yeah. And having I, never played any Xbox one games at all. Yeah. And so what I like about this is you did actually opt in when it came to the uh, PS pro. Uh, so how does it feel like, as far as like when you saw those enhancements on the PS Pro versus now seeing the enhancements with the PS5 versions? It's night and day. Even looking at the same games, games I've been playing up to the point of this console coming out, games that I've played for dozens, hundreds, a thousand hours, it's night and day. Like, of course, Diablo 3 doesn't have a PS5 patch to take advantage of the console's hardware. However, No Man's Sky, The Division 2, and Borderlands 3 do. Each of those games is it's just a dramatic improvement, especially with Borderlands 3, which I was playing on a pro for the longest time. It was very sluggish with the menus. The loading times were, were pretty long. Like I got used to, to waiting for Borderlands 3 to catch up with my desire to play it on the PS4 Pro. With PS5 and the patch... The, the upgraded version of it, that's no longer an issue. Like there's there's a notoriously lengthy load at the beginning of the game where Claptrap's dancing and 
across a black screen. And on, <laughs> on PS4 Pro, there's an orange bar that fills up as he's, you know, distracting you from the fact that this orange bar is slowly filling up. On PS5, the bar isn't even there. Claptrap may cross the screen once or twice, and then the game is on. Pick your character, start the game. It's in there in a matter of seconds. You fast travel. Like there's no there's no technical hitches. There's no game. There's no uh, frame rate dips. It, the frame rate is incredibly smooth, and the menus aren't sluggish anymore, which was a huge damper on the Borderlands Three experience, even on a pro you would go in the menus and like you make a selection and it would take the game a second to catch up with your selection and then render everything on the screen. It was, the game was always behind the player's input. Now it's, it's right there with you and it's smooth and it's, it just pops more. It's, it feels like a whole new borderlands, especially since I'm playing with the operative class now. So this class he has the ability to use two skills at the same time. So I can make this digi clone, which distracts enemies, shoots at them, throws grenades. I can move around, swap places with it. And so like, I'll put out the clone, they'll start shooting at it. I'll come around from cover, start shooting at them. They'll start shooting at me. I'll switch with the clone. Now I'm shooting at them again, moving forward. And I'm just like switching and advancing our positions. And I gotta, it's, it's awesome. So I'm loving that. And I also have an active skill where he throws out a portable shield. And the the hitch there is that you can leave it there. It's absorbing enemy fire. You can shoot through it, hit them. But you can also pick it up and turn it into a personal shield. So, you know, got a lot of things going on there. But it's Borderlands 3. You guys already know what's going on with that. I'm eventually going to get to the DLC. Uh, I've been thinking about starting up Astro's Playroom just to get a feel for what a an exclusive PS5 experience is all about before eventually Returnal comes out in, in about a week. So I've got that pre-ordered. I've got that pre-loaded. I am ready to go. I'm all in on Returnal, bought the digital deluxe edition, all about it. Love Housemark, love roguelikes, which is what that game is. Don't confuse yourself. Don't let the the narrative and and the visuals and the third person gameplay confuse you. You're going to be getting a roguelike. You're going to die a lot. The game isn't necessarily long. Most of your gameplay hours are going to be spent making it incrementally further as you gather more information about all the mechanics necessary in order for you to successfully complete that game. So people need to go into that one with all the information readily available. I did also purchase Disco Elysium. Not going to start it until after I finish Returnal, but I felt like I wanted the game for so long. It was one of the reasons I decided to get a PS5 at this point. And, you know, the developer did such a good job with it. It's such a different kind of game, and they've supported it so well that it just made sense that even if I'm not going to play it immediately, I should at least buy it while it's still kind of fresh so they get that sale, they get that money. Like, it's... Yeah, I could save 10 or 20 bucks in a few months, but that all that does is help me or I could help the developer put a little more money toward a Disco Elysium 2, signal some demand, signal some interest. So, you know, that that all comes in light of 
the comments made by the one of the developers of Days Gone, where they're just like, if you like a game, just buy it. Don't don't do all this. Oh, I'm waiting for PS Plus for free. Oh, I'm gonna wait for a discount. Like we get it. If you if you're a kid, if you're strapped for cash as an adult, like or if you just if you already have things that you're dedicating your time to, that's understandable. Nobody's picking on anyone for having real issues that prevent them from just spending money all willy-nilly. But if you're one of these people who makes it a point of pride that you never pay full price for a game or you wait for games to be free, it's like, okay, but you can't then also be the kind of person who complains when the games you do enjoy don't get sequels or when the games you do enjoy flop commercially and not only do you not get a sequel, but other developers don't even pick up ideas and inspiration from that game because it wasn't successful. People don't want it. So that's where I was with Disco Elysium. As far as the hardware experience, especially since I have both consoles to compare it against, I would say like the Series X, I've described that as it gives you a much closer relationship to your games in that you cut the console on, it's on immediately. You you turn on your game, it's on. Quick resume, you're right back where you left off. You hop over to an app, watch a show, quick resume, get your game right where you left off. You'll probably never see a loading screen ever again. Uh, with the PS5, what I can describe it as is a more intimate relationship with your games. So something that people were really upset about myself included, is that the PS5 doesn't support themes, static, dynamic, or otherwise. At the same token, what it does is it really puts your games front and center on the screen. So, like, it's it's not like the old PS4 cross-menu bar where you highlight the tile and it's, it's like there's a tile and then your theme in the background. whatever. It's like you highlight the tile, the screen fills with this beautiful image of your game and it's like your game takes over the screen and the music comes on and you have all this access to it. You can you can easily just look and see what version of the game you have, what your update history is. You can you have immediate access to the PlayStation Store if you want to get additional content. Uh, it's it's all right there, front and center. The games are really on display. Um, the navigation of the various settings and the quick menu bar, it's it can feel a little cumbersome. It's not as direct as the Series X is. Like with the Series X, like that that's the Series X, it looks you in the eye when it shakes your hand. <laughs> the PS5, it's more, it's a little more coy. Like it puts it puts the fingers out and you kiss the hand. That's kind of the relationship there. So yeah, you you got to navigate a little more. However, with the PlayStation 5 having spent so long in the PlayStation ecosystem, it just feels familiar. You, everything you're doing feels intuitive. Like everything is where you think it would be. Everything does what you think it should do. With the Xbox, it's the layout is a little, it's a little nonsensical to me. And like, there's just not a lot of presentation or polish to the hardware experience. However, you're getting performance and convenience in exchange for that. With the PlayStation, um, like it's just a treat 
navigating the menu. It's easy to get where I need to go. It's got all kinds of little little funny tones and chimes and stuff. It's it's awesome, especially if you opt to get the media remote. That's by far my favorite peripheral, just in the Sony family of hardware and consoles and all that stuff. This time with the PS5 media remote, it's got an IR receiver on it, so it can actually learn how to interact with your television. Very basic functions. It doesn't have numbers on it or anything. You're not going to be doing any channel surfing, but you can control your TV volume and cut your TV on and off with it. So that immediately removes the need to interact with my television directly or through the remote. So I just pick up my media remote, turn on my TV, turn on my PlayStation, go to my content, I'm in it. it it's awesome. Uh, the DualSense controller, it's definitely a step up for what's possible with controlling a game. I mean, the haptics and the vibration is 100% a step above what's going on with the DualShock 4 on the PS4. The only point that's a mixed bag for me is the adaptive triggers. So I was trying to be optimistic at the outset when, you know, the PS5 was coming out, like, oh, the adaptive triggers, that could be a real cool opportunity to, you know, deliver more information to the player without them having to look at a heads up display and, and take them away from the game experience. Having it in my hands in practice with Borderlands 3, and um, I think that's about all I play so far, but it's... It depends. The, the only simple way I can explain it is I have no problem if the trigger prevents me from pulling it when I'm on an empty chamber. However, I do have a problem when the trigger comes between me pulling it on a loaded chamber, which has happened a couple of times, especially in vehicles. So in Borderlands 3, you know, you have the machine gun and then you have the rocket launcher sometimes if you have that equipped. With the rocket launcher, the adaptive trigger puts in an artificial floor and I pull, think hitting the artificial floor, thinking I'm going to get a rocket and I don't. I have to pull through the floor and that's when I get the rocket, which I think is pretty dumb. Uh, when it comes to... The different weapons, though, that's kind of where it shines. As you guys know, with Borderlands 3, the different weapon manufacturers, all their weapons behave in different manners. With Torg, you have, you have the different firing modes where you shoot impact rounds that explode on contact, or you can shoot them, they stick to enemies, and then you press down on the D-pad, which causes them to explode in rapid succession on the enemy. Uh, with, with laid off, you have the primary firing mode, and then you have a secondary firing mode, which is like a grenade launcher or a rocket launcher, things like that. And then there's the Maliwan weapons, which are elemental, and they're all energy-based, so they have to be charged before they can fire. When I equipped a Maliwan weapon, what I noticed with the adaptive trigger is that now you have to, it's a little tougher to pull, which is symbolic of the charging effect. So, it's taking you longer to get your finger from rest to the floor in order to shoot the shot. But as you're pulling it, that's the charging cycle. So I thought that was a pretty cool implementation of that feature. 
Overall, I, I want to play Astro. I heard that it uses all the DualSense features really good, but I'm looking forward to Returnal because that also is going to be using the adaptive triggers in a unique manner. Overall, I'm enjoying my time with it. I like The console looks great. It functions extremely well. My next-gen setup is complete. Now it's just time to, to let the games roll in. But AMC, what have you been playing? Um, you know, I'm actually not going to spend that much time on it today. Uh, pretty much I've been playing Pac-Man, Fire Emblem. Um, didn't get any, I guess it's called Pac-1s, and that's if you win. That's the Pac victory, similar to, a, I guess, a chicken dinner or a um, Maximus victory. Uh, <laughs> did not get any. Marissa got one, so now she has five, and it's uh, upsetting me because I only have two at this point. So I need to put in that work. Uh, mm, put a little who's more wearing the pants in the house? I know. It's like I, I bow to her now. Um, yeah, and uh, play a little more Fire Emblem, but you know, Fire Emblem is just great. But there's not much more to say on that. So you know, let's just get right into the topics of the week. Top topics of the week. Oh man, this actually ended up being like a pretty decent week of news. A lot of PlayStation stuff um, and other news. A Dub, you want to lead off with uh, the first story? Yeah, I'm gonna lead off with that first story. We got you. We got you a good one. PlayStation. They're getting in the mix. They're they're getting busy with this generation. And a lot of people were, you know, waving the Microsoft flag. They're they're doing all these acquisitions, and yeah, that, that's a lot of progress. Still waiting to see what's really going to come from that. However, uh, PlayStation's also making moves in the shadows. Namely, they've got a whole new exclusive title coming. It's a multiplayer game, and it's being developed by Firewalk Studios. So, as some of you may know, Firewalk's team includes former Destiny, Halo, and Apex Legends developers. So that's that's Bungie, and that's Respawn. Uh, we know Respawn for games like Apex Legends, Star Wars, Jedi Fallen Order, and Titanfall franchise. We know the Bungie guys from Destiny and Halo. This game is going to be a AAA multiplayer title. Currently, no plans for a release window. There, there isn't much known about it, but they have made it formal that PlayStation is getting this exclusively amc any idea what you think it might be how do you feel about it being a multiplayer oriented title um yeah is it if anything this is interesting this um this continuing narrative of multiplayer with sony um if you listen to the previous weeks this a lot of this is a lot of the other announcements were speculation but yeah i believe it was sucker punch was hiring for a multiplayer game and then, um, obviously, we know that uh, Naughty Dog is supposed to be working on a Last of Us multiplayer experience as well. And so, uh, yeah, to hear that now they also have a studio with the the likes of all these people that have had their hands in Bungie or other companies that worked on multiplayer games working on, I guess, what is like a true multiplayer experience. Uh, I'm actually kind of excited for this one more than the other ones, just because, you know, like, we've kind of seen what sucker punch has done with ghost of Tsushima and the last of us, the last of us had a multiplayer experience, had a multiplayer, I guess, mode. And um, knowing that they want to do something bigger, naughty dog, we kind of figure, well, it'll be kind of last of us too, but now with multiplayer, but this is the one that's a little bit more of an, I guess, enigma because you have these guys and you would assume that 
this is going to be a shooter multiplayer game and you think of something that was as big as destiny and you bring in people from that brand over to work on their own version of a game that that could be of that ilk um it could be a big move for for sony especially in exclusive that's not a thing you see often with multiplayer games is exclusive uh, exclusivity attached to that that's usually you get you put out a multiplayer game you want it in as many hands as possible so you're going you third party. in the hands of multiple players yeah um but sony seems to believe in this one enough that they're willing to you know bankroll it and so i'm very curious to see how this turns out and you know bungie they're known for great i guess shooters you think about halo and then what they did with uh destiny you're hoping that they'll bring that experience over to whatever they plan to do with sony how about yourself rock, rock solid shooting mechanics uh personally uh I, I want to see it. I mean, a great game is a great game. It's easy to write this off as non-news because it's a multiplayer game and ooh, multiplayer, one single player. But you know what? This is this is a new generation. It, multiplayer games are every bit as good as single player games, especially when you get the right ones. You know, I was I was anti multiplayer until we found Overwatch, and now I'm more open to everything that may come along. So, you know, it, I'm not excited about it, but I do want to see what it is and I'm going to give it a fair chance. Uh, the Firewalk Studios, they, they were first founded in 2018. This is going to be their first game. Uh, there's a comment here. It says, Firewalk is an incredibly talented bunch of people. They've worked on very interesting games collectively and individually. Uh, they're a brand new team. Working with Firewalk gives us the best of two worlds. On one hand, we get to collaborate with the studio right off the bat until we get that magical early stage full of curiosity, exploring new ways of making games and making new games. On the other hand, there is a real depth of experience. So ultimately, it's, it's going to be a new IP and it's going to be something different. So I'm excited to see what's coming. Overall, I, I'm going to say overall a lot today, but I just want to see the new things that are coming for this generation of hardware. We're only in the infancy of what these consoles are going to be. So I'm just looking forward to any and all new news, any and all new games that are going to show us what the shape of this generation is going to take. And one other thing I'd add too, is that, I mean, I think you had mentioned like Shadowfall, um, but yeah, like Sony, you think about like last generation, um, not really known for a ton of like first person shooters um and so to have a possible like first person shooter uh multiplayer experience uh coming down the line that's going to be exclusive uh it kind of goes against the narrative at least of, of what you would expect sony to be working on as far as you know either big open world like uh story story driven game with like like almost cinematic moments yada yada like sony this. only makes one type of game Ugh. yeah yeah <laughs> like it um and even if maybe if it is like at a type of game like that but then it's now multiplayer it's like at least like it's it's a departure from what you would assume to be the regular single player i guess movie game experience that sony seems to be uh, labeled by the gamers so yeah um I'm, I'm enjoying that this at least sounds different from what you would expect from you know sony to to be announcing <laughs> i'm enjoying that it's another exclusive to add to the list of things to look forward to in the playstation ecosystem that's that's why i bought the console 
this is what I want to see. Keep at it, Sony. Yes. Well, let's move into the next topic of the week. Hot topic of, of the, the week. week. You know what? Um, I'll hop in right here. Let's stick with Sony. Uh, A-Dub, Sony may have a new service coming our way. What? Is, yes, it is actually being tested, though. So here is that service, A-Dub. PS Plus Plus? It is called PlayStation Plus Video Pass. Not that Game Pass. That video pass. They giving us videos. <laughs> so we get to of... see we get to see Spider Man. What is what is it? Uh, Far from Home. We get to see it first. <laughs> uh, not not quite yet. Uh, so let's see. Here is by way of iGym. PlayStation Plus Video Pass is a streaming app that will be tested for a year in Poland. Um, speaking to Spider's Web, Sony's Nick McGuire. The homie Nick explains that the pass comes in the form of a PS4, PS5 app, which initially allows PS Plus subscribers to watch 21 movies and TV, uh, including Venom, Baby Driver, and all seasons, all six seasons of Community. Uh, I have a full list. McGuire, <laughs> McGuire says new titles will be added to that list every three months, and no change to PS Plus price in Poland will be made. Uh, so you're wondering the list, A-Dub, PS Plus Video Pass Movies. Uh, here's a quick rundown. We got Bloodshot. We got Jumanji Damn. Next Level. Damn. We got Zombie, <laughs> Zombieland 2 Double Tap. Okay. I like that. It was fun. Charlie's Angels 2019. Mm. Uh, Venom Equalizer 2. Was that yes. Denzel? Yes. Yes. Oh, Denzel. That ain't Queen of the <laughs> <laughs> uh, As mentioned, Baby Driver. Blood Runner, Blood Runner, Blade Runner, twenty forty nine. I want to see Blood Runner. Um, let's see, Underworld, Blood Wars, Arrival, Sausage Party, Inferno, American Hustle, This Is the End, great movie, and Bad Boys, nineteen ninety five. So the OG Bad Boys, the OG Bad Boys. <laughs> let's see, uh, that Skinny Martin. Yeah, Skinny Martin. Will, Will Smith on his way up. Young Will. Young yeah. Will is Skinny Martin. That yeah. was the combo. That Mike Lowry. <laughs> uh, let's see. TV shows. PS Plus video past TV shows. We got Future Man, all three seasons. Supermansion, all three seasons. Community, all six seasons. Deadly Class, one season. SWAT, two seasons. And Lost Girl, five seasons. Um, yeah. So... I guess that's all we have for that a dub, but yeah, what do you, what's your interest in a free video streaming service from Sony? And you know what? We'll make it a two-parter in this whole war for value. Um, how much potential do you have? Do you think that this service will have with, um, you know, attracting customers to the PlayStation ecosystem? Well, for the first part of the question, it, I mean, I'm not going to turn down, additional value and services, especially if they end up coming to me at no additional cost. So I'll gladly watch Community, which is, that, that's uh, Dan Harmon, right? Yeah, Dan Harmon, Joel McHale, uh, was it uh, Childish Gambino before he blew up? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I, I'm not going to turn that down. Um, it, it's not really the smorgasbord of content that I'm looking for, but on a personal level, I'll take it, whatever. Insofar as adding value and attracting new customers, I can easily see the trolls on some level, like, uh, it's, it's about games, this doesn't, Game Pass is the better deal. <laughs> so I can see that happening. I don't think it'll do much to, to mitigate that voice 
or to bring people over to the Sony ecosystem because in all the discussions about what these game companies need to do, what Sony needs to do, especially in light of recent events, uh, nobody's ever said anything about wanting Sony's like movie and television catalog. So I don't think that's going to be the deciding factor for anybody. What about you? Well, you already talked about yourself or did you? What, what you no, no. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty much same place where, you know, I have like, I have Netflix, I got Hulu, I got mm-hmm. Disney plus, I got HBO max. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there's probably some other that I'm looking over. Amazon prime. Yeah. Amazon prime. There we go. Funimation. Um, <laughs> yeah. YouTube TV. Exactly. Um, so yeah, there's, there's already a ton of um, streaming services. I will say, as you mentioned, um, I am paying for all of those. So it'd be nice to have, you know, one for free. You know what? I am not paying for Amazon prime for the video. I will say I was already put paying for prime for the uh, delivery service and the video, the video ended up being an added bonus, which I do enjoy about it. And I will say having it as an added bonus um, makes the price of the delivery service, I guess a little less uh, annoying, even though it wasn't really that bad. So yeah, uh, I will say it it, it all does kind of add up as far as, um, you know, what they have the, uh, play at home initiative and mm-hmm. yada, yada so you know the all PS these things plus collection for ps5 owners yeah we get free game we get a free game or a couple free Ooh. games every month um so yeah it does it does all add up it will be interesting as you mentioned if they maybe start getting like the spider-mans and games along those <laughs> lines the movies along those lines and they have like as as we've discussed with uh, other announcements they do they do seem to have like you know uncharted movie on the way they got a last of us tv show blah blah, blah. if they can there's get their murmurs hands, about a middle gear solid movie yeah so they can get their hands on all of those properties and then say have like you know a sony streaming service that's free for ps plus uh, uh subscribers that would definitely be a huge uh bonus but I guess this is why they're testing it to see, you know, how much interest there is. They, um, they obviously hand selected those movies and TV shows to see which ones are, are watched the most, which ones are overlooked to, you know, just to see if there's an interest in this service. The one that I would say just off the top of my head, this is the end. I watched that Marissa hadn't seen it. And so we actually went on prime video and, and actually rented it. I barely ever rent movies, mm-hmm. um, but we actually rented it in, she absolutely loved it i loved it that would definitely be a movie that i would totally watch again um and the only reason why i haven't watched it again is because i didn't buy it i rented it so mm-hmm. knowing that it would be on this streaming service that is definitely something i would want to watch and i'm sure there's a couple other movies that sony has um that i would totally check out so for something that's free i think that is it's definitely an addition, but as far as something that appeals to gamers, I wouldn't say this is something along the lines of, um, you know, when Xbox was like, hey, you can run your cable through our <laughs> Xbox One. <laughs> you can order a pizza. <laughs> you can order a pizza while watching fantasy sports and checking out your fantasy team. It's you not, can, it's not, you can watch football at a lower resolution than your TV was getting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not something along those lines. It's not, we'll say, a misstep on that level, but... Um, even the way that they're rolling it out, I think this is the best way to handle it. It's like, hey, we're doing this trial test and we're not going to lead uh, an event with this thing. It'll be something that's just part of, you know, the overall package. And so as long as they handle it well, um, I think it's it's something that will end up contributing to, I guess, the overall value of Sony's uh, offerings. And we take a brief stop at Conspiracy Theory Corner for just a minute. 
Yes, sir. What do we got? Well, in Conspiracy Theory Corner, do you think that Sony's video pass has anything to do with the upcoming The Last of Us television series? As far as like getting, it might end up on there at some point. And so far as perhaps they're getting this service ready to eventually roll it out and maybe do some kind of some kind of dual some kind of dual like ownership with HBO where HBO Max will have it, but also it'll be on Sony Video Pass and it'll be something that they just give to Sony players. Like if if something like that happens, I could see that swaying a few people to get plus because there are going to be people who are interested in the show. There are going to be people who already pay for plus and there are going to be people who are like, oh, well, you know, I'll get it. I'll check this out and then I can play Overwatch for a little bit. Yeah, especially if they, it depends on the deals that they can work out because yeah, say this last show does well, then they have their IP. So maybe there's potential. They already have what a Ratchet and Clank movie that -hmm. came out. I don't know if Sony actually produced it, but they can work out deals on those lines to get like a Ratchet and Clank TV show or yada, yada, yada. So I, I, it all depends on how well, I guess, uh, Last of Us, the TV show would do. And even like Uncharted movie, we have, um, I don't think you mentioned it in the opening because you were, you did a whole lot of discussing of the PS5, but you so just much. checked out uh, Mortal Kombat and just over, yes. I mean, you checked it out, I'll say. And um, I will say overall, video game movies or, or media has been you know they've been a, they've done a better job adapting it as of late in comparison to what we've seen in the past mm-hmm. so if that if that trend continues there's potential for sony you know to roll out like some other like a god of war tv show or something along those lines and actually have it exclusively on yeah video pass and if that quality holds up um then yeah that's that's definitely a huge boost uh, for value. It's just, it depends on, you know, the care that goes into the content that they're going to put on this platform. You know, thinking about it, it, this, this approach does make a lot more sense because we already know through statements from Sony that their whole thing, well, not statements from Sony, but just the news breaking that they're focusing on blockbusters and they're more about taking their biggest IPs and trying to adapt them for television and film. We already have the Uncharted movie in the works. We have the last of us television show. So it would make sense that the logical next step for them would be to introduce some form of a video streaming service where all of their, their properties can be housed in one location. And if they do it right, they could make their video pass, the home of video game oriented media. Like, you know, get the Monster Hunter movie, get the Resident Evil movies on there, get get the old Mario Brothers movies. <laughs> Just get, get every Sonic, yeah. get Sonic, get the Wreck It Ralphs, like get get Ready Player One and Ready Player Two eventually. Just get every video game oriented film and television show in this one location and you can appeal to you can appeal to that gaming audience that also wants to see those adaptations. Sony better pay me for this. <laughs> yeah. You can make the check out to control-issues.com. Yeah. It's definitely one of those things that uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I know we like Mar- Mario, Microsoft, like, you know, considered it in the past with, um, I believe, like, they were like, oh, we got this big Halo thing coming down the line, and not really sure whatever happened with that. Um, and yeah, then... That quantum Break TV show. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like where there was like video and, and game all all in one. <laughs> like, um, and so yeah, they they've tested it, and you could just say maybe they were ahead of their time, and now Sony's going to do it right. But um, yeah, as you said, it's it's not about a thing. It's not. A, I never look at something and say that it can't happen. It's just a matter of can they do it right, and if they can do it right, then it becomes its own monster. And yeah, hopefully, if that's something that Sony can do, that would be awesome because I would love to, you know, go to one hub and have like all the Mortal Kombat stuff there, all the <sighs> the Street Fighter anime on there. <laughs> Especially if they get the anime, because there's a great deal of video game oriented content that just really wasn't wasn't given the light of day and the people don't even know exists. There's a lot of animated Street Fighter stuff. There's like animated Fatal Fury stuff. (laughs) There's shit out there. I mean, you could even, I mean, make a deal with Nintendo, get Captain N on there, get the old Mario cartoons back on there, get uh, the Legend of Zelda stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've seen, I've seen like definitely like Dragon Quest animes, things along those lines. So they can bring that all over. Somehow get a hold of the Witcher series from net, like license that from Netflix, so they can have it on there. Get Castlevania. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Castlevania is a shit. <laughs> I mean, there's a ton of content. Sony could seriously make a gaming video service that people would genuinely be interested in. If they if they could get a reasonable amount of content, I would 100% be interested in that. Yeah. But let's get to our next topic of the week. Top topic of the week. I got one for you, AMC. Mm. We got some news about CD Projekt Red. It's actually a two-parter because it was later updated. So the initial story that broke was in regards to, you know, the ongoing discussion about cyberpunk and how well it did commercially. So we all know that before it even came out, it had over 8 million pre-orders in by the time it was through maybe its first week of life, even in light of the performance controversy with the base consoles, it still ended up moving net about 13 million copies. So something that people were talking about online for a great deal of time was that people were so upset about it. This is this is going to ruin CD Projekt Red. They lost a billion dollars in market value in one day. It, it was it was a lot of negativity, but to put things in a different perspective, we got some information about the refunds that CD Projekt Red had to process for Cyberpunk. So when the story initially broke, we were given this figure of roughly about thirty thousand refunds total that were that were processed through their Help Me Refund program. Uh, later, the story was updated because there was a bit more information that went into that. Uh, the help, help Me Refund program wasn't the only aspect of refunds that were processed for Cyberpunk. There was also the refunds that were processed by retailers in 2020, which amounted to about $10.6 million total. The Help Me Refund program was about $2.2 million in total refunds and further when you account for the the projected refunds and lost sales in 2021, there's another 38.3 million there for a total of about 51 million in lost revenue for this game through refunds and lost sales projected through the rest of this year. Now, that sounds like a big number. That's if you look at a game that's about 60 bucks, you're looking at something close to about a million copies 
being returned for this game. Sounds like a lot. It is. Million's a big number. However, a bigger number is 13 million. So, <laughs> yeah. So, we taken all together, that means about 14 million copies of Cyberpunk Move. A million came back. The game still netted roughly 500 $63 million in 2020. And what this means is that if you look at it, it's about one in 14 were refunded. That's about 7%. So let's look at it in terms people can maybe understand. Like imagine the 2020 presidential election. If one of the candidates got 1 million votes and the other candidate got 13 million like, let's think about this in, let's say, your bank account. So let's say you made $14 million and then you lost $1 million, but you still have $13 million. <laughs> so Cyberpunk is not hurting from this at all. It's, they've already recovered the lost value. On their, on their market valuation. They've opened up a new studio. They're developing multiple games at the same time. I think they're, they're putting another Witcher in production. They're putting more cyberpunk projects in production. It, you know, there's this narrative online that this is bad. This hurt them. People are never gonna trust them again. But then when the numbers come out, even when the initial numbers are, aren't accurate, the more accurate numbers still paint a picture that the folks who are complaining, the folks who are standing up and taking action and not standing for the bullshit still pale in comparison to the amount of people who are either happy with what they got or are at the least content with it to the point that they don't need to say anything. They don't want their money back. They'll just stick with their product. AMC, how do you feel about all this? Yeah, I mean, uh, one, it just shows that how there is there were really multiple narratives to the to cyberpunk, um, being that as mentioned, uh, so there's the people who are upset they got their refund, so so mm -hmm. that's good. They're, you You're off say, the table. You're yeah, out of the game. <laughs> yeah, you can't say that they didn't get their refund. They got their refund, but then two, it's there are many different versions of cyberpunk. So it's like yeah, if you had the base PS4 or even a PS4 Pro you're probably not enjoying cyberpunk but if you had a ps5 it might run a little bit better and if you have a pc the game was yeah. apparently great so yeah. there's there's just a lot of conflicting stories people who got on ps4 would like you to believe that everybody had a bad experience with cyberpunk and if you look at the overall broad narrative it's no no, no it's a select few definitely did not enjoy their experience but overall people did enjoy this game a lot of people bought it um there's a story I, I glossed over it because we were waiting for the uh, the full earnings report with the uh, the refunds. But yeah, um, I think GamesIndustry.biz had um, published a story last week, basically saying that CD Projekt Red had a better year than like basically had its best year ever. Um, yeah, <laughs> with the launch of uh, Cyberpunk, um, it, that was in comparison to the launch of Witcher and years that that came after. And so, if you look at it, um, yeah, they're doing okay, even with the the full numbers with the refunds, they're still doing fine and enough to expand. <laughs> and so, you see all that information, and yeah, the people they got the word out. 
if your goal is to get a company to do better, then mission accomplished. But if your goal is to somehow make a company hurt and then go under and then everybody gets fired and everybody loses their jobs, yada, yada, then you're almost always going to fail in those situations because companies are resilient. And so the best you can do is push the company to do better. And I think with the, uh, with all the negativity, the refunds, and yada, yada, I think it will push Cyberpunk to or push CD Projekt Red to put out a better game. They've already said that they're committed to making Cyberpunk a better game. Um, and so they will continue to support it. And so I think if you kind of pressure them, hold their feet to the fire, then they'll do better. But as you're saying with the numbers, they're still doing well enough that they're going to continue to be around and we will be seeing more games from them down the line. So yeah, I think good on good on them uh, as far as sales and being able to sell a game and now it's up to them to have those sales continue by supporting their game and giving us a better experience with whatever game they drop next you know a multi-billion dollar company isn't going to vanish overnight over one game also it's i think like the, the vocal minority on the internet really underestimates how fickle gamers are. And, you know, I, I hate to speak in such derogatory terms about my brethren, about my fam, but let's be real here. We've seen this. We've been through this. Other companies have done this. Just look at Bethesda. They, they've been all over this, front to back, multiple times. We know how this starts. We know how it goes. We know how it ends tarnish their reputation there nobody's going to trust them again all they got to do is what they've already done in recent weeks issue a statement hey we're going to pay more attention to quality control hey we got a new game coming out and everybody's going to give them another chance all they got to do is make sure they make good on that on that second chance and if they do all this goes away of course there's going to be the people who just insist on living in the past, just like they do with everything that either has a bad launch or a, a decision from a company that they don't agree with where, oh, well, uh, everybody just forgot that they, they put out Cyberpunk and it was junk at launch. It's like, yeah, because they fixed it and they learned from it and they did better because this game launched in great condition. So you're not going to win. If like, like AMC said, if, your goal is to hurt a company or make a company go under. You're going to need a lot more people. <laughs> You're going to have to put in a lot more effort. We don't These, believe you. You need more people. I was going to do it. <laughs> but yeah, you, you're going to have to put in a lot more effort. Like you're basically going to have to make your own multi-billion dollar company whose mission is to ruin other multi-billion dollar companies because without funding and without manpower, you're going to end up in these situations where only you, you think everybody hates it, but then only 7% of the people who actually bought the game did anything to remove themselves from it. Well, let's get into the next topic of the week. Top topic of the week. Topic of the Week. You, can, you can keep it going, hey, Dub. Oh, I, I, have a, I have a smaller story for later. Uh, it's it's not that small. It's no, not that small. It's a little it's, big story. It's it's big in my heart. <laughs> I'll take the next one. So we got some news last week. We covered how 
was it last week or was it a couple of weeks ago? I forget, but we covered a story about how Sony had made the tough decision to remove the PS3 and the PS Vita stores. Everybody was upset. It was such an uproar. All those games that nobody bought is <laughs> they're they're gonna they're gonna be unbuyable. Everybody was the big worry more than anything was that with the stores going away, people were worried that they wouldn't be able to play the digital versions of their games. And then everybody's talking about the internal CMOS battery inside of the console. And it's not going to be renewed. I can't play my games anymore. Shortly after that announcement to remove the stores, Sony revealed more details about when they were going to shut the stores and also reassured people that if you already had the games, you'd still be able to download them. You'd still be able to play them. You wouldn't have to worry about that. It's just that nobody would be able to buy any more of these games. Well, a new development in the story is that Sony heard your voices. They listened and they have reversed course so as detailed on the playstation blog this is coming by way of adam bankhurst over at ign uh this is a reversal from its announcement in march 2021 that it would be closing down the playstation store for ps3 and psp on july 2nd and the ps store for the vita on august 27th uh the PlayStation has a statement saying, when we initially came to the decision to end purchasing support for PS3 and PS Vita, it was born out of a number of factors, including commerce support challenges for older devices and the ability for us to focus more of our resources on newer devices where a majority of our gamers are playing on. Uh, we see now that many of you are incredibly passionate about being able to continue purchasing classic games on PS3 and Vita for the foreseeable future. So I'm glad we were able to find a solution to continue operations. I'm glad that we can keep this piece of our history alive for gamers to enjoy while we continue to create cutting edge new games for PS4, PS5, and the next generation of VR. Thank you for sharing your feedback with us. We're always listening and appreciate the support from our PlayStation community. AMC, what are you going to buy with this new lease on life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't be buying a damn thing. Um, I hate buying shit. <laughs> yeah, I hate buying shit. I, I'm, I'm going to get Uncharted Drake's fortune. <laughs> Yeah, or what much, is it a golden abyss? I'm gonna get that. Yeah, as much as I love uh you know the backwards compatibility that I can enjoy that I will eventually be able to enjoy when it comes to playing my PS4 games on the PS5, I just don't have that same love for my PS3 games. I love the PS3, but when I got the PS4, I was one of those people that like just had an immediate like grand opening grand closing sale where i just sold everything everything must go as far as ps3 went um i pretty much i have one console at this point it's been in a one ps3 console at this point and it's been in a drawer for whoever knows how long i guess this entire console generation um so yeah i have no reason to go back i had a psp um got a couple games on it haven't touched it since <laughs> so i didn't really care about uh this ps vita store i guess being open i'm sure there are people who care the only the people who i will say when i did hear stories about it that this did affect and you know you always want to support them is the game developers and apparently there are people who still develop games um with the vita in mind um and so they they'll have it on ps4 
PS5, whatever. But then they'll also put out a, a PS Vita version of the game for people to download. And for those people that have put that time and money into developing specifically for that handheld and for them to find out, I guess, last minute by Sony that the store was not going to be available to them by the time their game came out. I completely understood their grievances and, and not getting, you know, as much of a notice. Um, and so now with this, they can keep it open, keep the store open. Those developers can get their games out if they didn't already completely just halt the development of those games and, um, you know, make, a little revenue off of that, off of that, uh, that ecosystem or whatever, that marketplace. Um, but outside of that, I mean, as far as the gamers go, uh, as I mentioned in the pre-show, I think we live, it's not something that we're, that is being diagnosed, but it is a thing, digital hoarding. And I think there are a lot of people who at the news of this are like, well, I got to buy a bunch of PlayStation three games, knowing that they will probably never play them. Um, just knowing my backlog of, games on the current console that i haven't gotten to the idea that people would then go and buy a bunch of ps3 games to then also just put in that backlog and never get to um is kind of ridiculous but you know to each their own everybody has their thing um but uh i think sony was keeping an eye on the numbers that entire time and they're like you know what what's the point of supporting this operation if we're not bringing in enough money to you know keep the store open at this point you also think about too it's like it's not just keeping the store open, but you also have to constantly update it with uh, security security updates so that people can't hack into it <laughs> and things which like that. Which they want to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if we know anything about the, was it the PS3 generation, it was all about the, it was infamous for the uh, the shutdowns because of attacks. Um, and so Why yeah. can't I circumvent your security measures and alter <laughs> your games and infringe on everyone else's attempt to play them as they were designed exactly and so with all that said like that's just sunk costs for sony and um i'm sure they saw it as an opportunity to get out um because i do identify i do feel for the developers i think this is good i i if anything as mentioned with the cd project red story it's um you try to hope that you can get these uh publishers or whatever creators owners of content to do better and and so you then look at sony to hopefully if they do plan to shut down the ps3 store to give you know a little bit more notice maybe say hey two years from now this thing is not going so if you want to buy everything here's your two-year window and yeah. it out from there um i can't believe this yeah, yeah, how dare you <laughs> nothing's dare gonna you. work and the thing too is how like, dare you shut down my 15 year old console store in two years yeah exactly <laughs> and i'm sure like if they do plan on doing that they could still put in some you know protection so that you know whoever bought these games or whatever they'll still work after the store gets shut down yada 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 it's just you won't be able to make new purchases um but yeah, I think uh, Sony would just handle it a little bit better next time. I didn't care about the story at all, but you know the the historians and the hoarders they do care, and so they're happy. <laughs> I mean, in defense of the people who who did care about this issue, they, they they continue to raise the concern of games preservation, where some of these games aren't in print at all, and others that are in print are so rare that their prices are extremely high on eBay and, and Amazon and things like this. So from that perspective, I can see how inconvenient it would be for there to just be one less, you know, widely available option to obtain 
rare games. You know, it sucks, but at the same token, I mean, yeah, 15 years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, you had a long time. Like, why? Like, I get get it. People are retro gamers. They just stick with the old games. There's a lot of old games to stick with. Every console generation, we get thousands and thousands upon games, thousands upon thousands of games. And it's impossible to play every game you want to play within the lifespan of a particular console. But at the same token, that's a long time. Like, how long are these companies supposed to spend their revenue in order to maintain your ability to one day maybe buy some random game that they probably don't even know that they're supporting. I don't know, but apparently a few people do know. A few people got some opinions about this. A few people throwing that victory party. A few people throwing that victory shade. (laughs) A few people coming sideways. Yeah, uh, a few people looking like they want to be troll of the week, troll of the week, troll of the week. Forget, forgive any kind of off timing there. As you guys know, we're still working from home, working remote. We can't be in the studio synchronized as a unit like we used to be, but we will be. A Dub got his first his first vaccine shot going back in, in about a month. First troll says. Marketing stunt overall, I believe, but wise choice. <laughs> so this is one of those trolls that hangs out in the sewers of Conspiracy Theory Corner where they believe that Sony announcing that the stores were shutting was a marketing stunt in the first place. One, to spur impulse purchases of these games before they were no longer available. And two, just so that they could reverse course anyway, because the plan all along was to keep selling the games. They just wanted that spike. (laughs) Next troll says, and the millennials wonder why some people don't trust digital. 15 years though. (laughs) Millennials don't give a shit. (laughs) Millennials play shit when it's there. When they want it. Millennials aren't tripping on retro games. Millennials are fucking eating avocado toast and buying lattes and <laughs> not saving up for houses. All those problems that they have, you know, paying off student loans and trying to find a job that, you know, is commensurate with the master's degree that they went six figures into debt for. But next troll says, Jim Ryan just needs to go. I have less confidence in Sony now than I have in a long, long time him bring in someone that knows what they're doing so we're, ta- we're talking about the same Jim Ryan that is overseeing the fastest selling console in history at this point in time in its life cycle the same Jim Ryan that is overseeing the most successful first party IPs um, among any platform definitely in PlayStation history I mean Spider-Man Highest selling superhero game of all time. Best Spider-Man game ever made. Don't give me that Spider-Man 2 nonsense. You you can go play that PlayStation game all you want. That PlayStation 2 game. I'm going to stay in the future with it. Uh, I mean, Horizon Zero Dawn coming from Guerrilla Games, known for the Killzone franchise, which barely anybody played. Don't even know how they sustained their existence on the back of that franchise. Puts out Horizon Zero Dawn. Horizon Zero Dawn does Zelda numbers overnight. 
now they're they're in the conversation as one of the top tier developers, people waiting on pins and needles for Horizon 3, Forbidden West. Uh, let's talk about Naughty Dog, The Last of Us 2. You may love it, you may hate it. It's still so like mad, and it's still the topic of conversation because you felt something. Whether you felt something good, whether you felt something bad, you felt something, which means that the art moves something within you enough for you to formulate a response. The worst response you can give to an artist is if you feel nothing at all and you felt something. Neil Druckmann won. We got got Ghost of Tsushima. A game about a historical period of a Japanese island made by Western developers, which has been lauded and applauded by the region of Japan itself. They are now ambassadors to the island of Tsushima. They have helped stimulate tourism to the island. Unbelievable. It's probably a movie in the works, too. This guy overseeing uh, The Last of Us getting a television show on HBO Max, overseeing an Uncharted movie, overseeing what might be a Metal Gear Solid movie in the works. This man, who is just steering PlayStation to success it has only dreamed of in all of its previous generations. That guy needs to go because you can't play some 15-year-old games. Get out of here with that. Next show says, it's incredibly anti-consumer for them to not support RCA and Coax on PS5. Some of us are still sporting cathode televisions because they need to be preserved. They need to fix this immediately. Uh, trolling the trolls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I, I complain to high heaven when the Xbox Series X and now the PlayStation 5 removed the optical audio outs. Like, I, I bought, like, $100 worth of stuff. I bought an HDMI splitter, an HDMI converter, an extra HDMI cable for the splitter. I bought RCA cables. I bought an RCA splitter so I could route my audio from my Xbox to my, to my external speakers, all because of the absence of that cable. PlayStation 5 doesn't have it or that audio out. I was going to buy another splitter, another converter, another cable, and then I realized, wait a minute, let me look at the back of the TV real quick. And you know what I saw? I saw an optical out. So all that bullshit I bought, I canceled the stuff I just ordered. I just sucked it up and dealt with the reality that I spent $100 on a bunch of shit I don't need. I took the optical out out of my PS4. I put it in my TV. I put it in my optical converter. I put it in my RCA cables. Put it in my speakers. Got my Series X and my PS5 plugged into my television. Audio for both of them. I already had it all these years, all generation long last year. I had it. You know, I gave Phil Spencer shit. I feel bad about that because I was wrong. I didn't know what was going on. So what we're doing is we're putting out one of those rare control issues retractions. Phil Spencer, I'm sorry, my dude. You made the right choice. You saw the future. You knew what was up. You knew what I had when I did. I figured it out. I got it together. We hear control issues are sorry. <laughs> Next troll. Yeah, they better had because I was about to mock their asses. Facts. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> uh, either that's a black user <laughs> <laughs> or that's a user that wants you to think he's black. Either way, the, that, that one's troll of the week. Official. That gets the trophy. That might be troll of the year. We'll see. It's still young. Next troll says, Jim Ryan should be terminated from his post. 
first lies about we believe in generations, then shuts down the communities in PS4, makes an idiotic decision to remake The Last of Us for easy cash grab rather than a new IP. Now he backtracks on his moronic decision to shut down stores. Jim Liar Liar. Pants on fire. Yes, pants on Brian. No, he doesn't need to be terminated. He's doing a fine job. You just don't agree with some of the behind the scenes stuff, which really doesn't affect you too much because you have other options. You can go somewhere else. Uh, Lies about the generations. No, you just misread that quote. You don't understand what he meant. But instead of realizing that, hey, maybe you interpreted that wrong, you're just going to assume that he said something you don't like. And now you hate him for it because you need something. You need a villain. You need somebody to play against in order to give your life meaning. And you found it in Jim Ryan. Makes the idiotic decision to remake The Last of Us. Why why is that idiotic? People love the original. The remake sold like crazy. Last of Us 2 sold extremely well. People still talk about it, love it or hate it. You're still talking about it. You're still keeping it relevant. People love The Last of Us multiplayer. Why would remaking The Last of Us not be a good idea, especially in the wake of the release of The Last of Us 2? People have expressed their undying love for the original. So, hey, why not give it back to them with just a little twist on it? So, you know, rather than make a new IP, do you think all of Naughty Dog is working exclusively on The Last of Us remake? They have multiple teams within their studio. They've been working on a new IP behind the scenes all this time while they were working on The Last of Us 2. They can work on a remake in the background. It's not that big of a deal. And then backtracks on his moronic decision. I wouldn't call it moronic. Motherfuckers probably weren't using the store and it didn't make financial sense to continue supporting something that that wasn't bringing in money. So people made a big roar, you know, I still think it's a vocal minority thing where probably 30,000 of you said some stuff and really only about 3,000 of you probably bought something and probably 300 of you are going to keep using the store if you even use it at all. So eventually those stores are going away in some form of capacity. And even when they were going away, they still made it possible for you to download the games as well as to continue playing the ones you already had. So they tried to meet in the middle, but Y'all wanted to take the whole cake. So you got your little got your little victory. Let's see how long it lasts. Next show says, hooray, the games I haven't played since 2013 are safe. <laughs> there you go. There it is. That's there the show. And the final troll. Imagine sacrificing your vision for the two people who still play games on the PS3. That's a weak ass move to listen to the mob, Sony. It is a weak ass. <laughs> it is a weak ass. It's a bitch ass move. <laughs> but you know what? That that's the choice they made. They wanna they wanna extend the olive branch to that vocal minority to show them, hey, we are listening, we are paying attention, we just want to do what's right for the most people. So you got your victory today. Let's see what you do to enjoy that victory until the next battle comes along. Troll, Troll of the week. Troll of the week. <laughs> <laughs> you got uh, one more for us, AMC. Uh, you know what? You want to end it with the uh, Jeff Kaplan story? We could skip mine. What was the other? Oh, the 
uh, the Mario Kart. No, 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 Jeff Kaplan. Let's end it with that. No, I was saying you were gonna, you were gonna go to Mario. Kart. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I was gonna do Mario Kart, but I feel like I, feel I like think Jeff gotta... Kaplan's a, a bigger hit. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that one. Are you gonna do it? Okay. Well, I didn't. I didn't research it. Or should I do? I didn't research it. So <laughs> but basically, what happened is that. Uh, so in our next topic of the week, top, top topic, topic of, of the week. week. So yeah, man, we got some disturbing Overwatch news. I don't know if you guys heard about this. If you know what's going on, but uh, Jeff Kaplan is leaving his post at Blizzard Entertainment. Hmm. So as you guys know, Jeff Kaplan, he was very out front with his with his developer updates on Overwatch. He was part of the original Overwatch team. He always was very informative, extremely well composed, almost flawless delivery every single time. He was he was an inspiration. He was he was an icon. <laughs> he was someone to watch. He was he was a comforting face. He was a soothing voice. He was he was the man of the moment. He was the icon we needed and now he's moving on to other things and yeah jeff kaplan was for 19 years one of blizzard entertainment's most vital and important innovators uh he was let me see what else we got blizzard recruited jeff kaplan in may of 2002 specifically to help it expand into a whole new genre which was the mmorpg back at the start of millennium studios experience was predominantly in the real-time strategy space team lacked the expertise to help inform the company's next venture. Uh, Rob Pardo, one of Blizzard's lead designers, looked to the most obvious place to find an MMO expert in MMO itself. At the head of EverQuest's prominent Legacy of Steel Guild, he found exactly the kind of person Blizzard was looking for, a person named Tagol. A passionate, outspoken, and well-known member of the game's community. Outside of EverQuest, he was known as Jeff Kaplan. <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. A good yes. sign off um yeah uh i would say like because yeah there's like you can immediately just jump to like well, what does this mean for what is it uh overwatch 2 yada yada but yeah mainly i just wanted to cover it because he's literally the first i guess developer um head of a studio that like i actually cared to hear from like in on a monthly basis with each overwatch update um you know there's always this idea that um companies like publishers or developers are just not connected with the audience and you know they don't know their community and this is the one guy where i could always hear what he had to say and i knew he exactly had the pulse of the community whether it was like pointing out like the toxicity within the overwatch community finding out ways to support the uh I guess the, the true, the true, uh, the true gamers within the community that cared about their experience and find ways to encourage them to participate and to uh, like just bringing in like some of the voting systems. Like I love that. Like how you can upvote a member on a team and then they could get bonuses through there. Um, there's just so many things that they did right with Overwatch to combat the toxicity of the people who are trying to, you know, show up and I guess what do they call it? griefers, whatever yeah. people who just want to like come in and take away and take away from the experience from everybody else who's just trying to have a good time and play the game as it was yeah. intended. Deriving joy from stealing it from others. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I always felt like he just had his finger on the pulse and 
all those updates were always great. Um, so hopefully I, he'll stay with it in the gaming industry and just move on to another studio, maybe start his own studio. Cause I would love yeah. to see what he has uh, moving forward. Um, what, what he could possibly be working on. Um, so yeah, that that's just more of a thing where it's like my entire overwatch experience. I felt like was, he was a part of it. Like it was like playing the game and then seeing the updates and then seeing the developer breakdowns and the reasons behind the breakdowns. Um, Blizzard has always been great with that, with, you know, putting in the notes um, with the patch notes to understand why they're doing it. And I felt like, Overwatch was like the leader when it came to why they were buffing and nerfing people. You see it with, uh, sorry, I'm on like a tyroid net right now, but you see this with other multiplayer shooters where they'll nerf and buff certain people and you'll see the developers getting death threats. Whereas Overwatch, I felt like they explained it in a way where people completely understood why, even if they were upset that whatever, like Roadhog wasn't getting one shot kills, yada, 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 the explanation behind it and the fairness of why they were doing it to, you know, um, to make certain characters more usable and make certain characters less OP. It all, all the explanations made sense and i felt like jeff kaplan was at the head of all that so um yeah uh i want to say give out a personal thanks to jeff kaplan for everything that he contributed to my experience with overwatch uh and um to future success yeah and also thanks to matt Perslow at ign for an extensive write-up on jeff kaplan and his his rise to glory as well as his departure as vice president of blizzard do you have anything else, A-Dub, before we get out of here? No, I'm tapped out, buddy. Yeah, it's a solid episode. Do you have any final words before we get out of here? Uh, the new generation is upon us. Next week, it gets real with the, the launch or unlocking of Returnal Thursday night, Friday. So get ready, everybody. It's, it's about to kick off. We got Ratchet probably about a month or so. Uh, yeah, a month and a half out. We got Biomutant finally coming. They're, they're talking about possibly doing a, a next-gen patch for that. And there's just more to look forward to. I mean, we got we got E3 season coming up in a couple months. You know, we're going to see what's, what's really coming out of this acquisition between Microsoft and Bethesda with their summer event. We're going to see what Sony's going to do outside of E3 since they haven't officially signed on just yet. We're going to see more than likely a smorgasbord of new indie games that we here at Control Issues are going to be overly excited about. And we're going to share that excitement with you. Also, make sure you stop at twitch.tv slash Control Issues Pod for our gameplay videos, especially when A-Dub gets his hands on Returnal because you're going to see all of that. That's oh, I can't got. wait. Uh, well, this is Control Issues. I am the AM. See? We are controllers. Thanks for coming. Sucker! Sucker! Sucker!